Hey, what's up? How are you doing? <laughs> good, good. Just uh, driving over to Home Depot to pick up some supplies. Mm. All right, cool. You know. So, so my students are doing um, like um, speeches, and on the second half of the semester, I always do uh, things about the border. Have them look up a bunch of stuff, and one of the things I wanted to make sure that I really hit home with them this time around was uh, humanitarian aid. Um, last time around, I, 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 or I will, I will give them articles about like what happened with Scott Walker and all of that situation. But I wanted to sort of talk to you to sort of humanize the process of like what it is that humanitarian aid actually is. Um, so, so you are the co-director of Water Drops at Border Angels in San Diego, and you basically pack up your truck and go out on the weekends and go hiking with supplies. That's correct. That's basically, I mean, that's the, uh, the short, the short, uh, answer. <laughs> yeah. And like what, um, why, why is this an important thing for, for you to be doing? And why is it important for Border Angels to be investing time in this whole thing? Well, I mean, since the issues of, you know, the, the border fence and prevention through deterrence started, you know, a little over 25 years ago, um, people who've been crossing over into this country, you know, it's just been getting you know, harder and deadlier and all the, you know, the weak immigration policies that are set forth in this country um, and don't really provide options for people to immigrate right. into this country. And because of that, um, those that are, you know, the, have the least amount of resources, the poorest, and, uh, you know, just the, the least fortunate, they're the ones that, that have to resort to traveling through the desert because they don't have either... Um, and yeah, the options set forth in like visa programs and stuff like that. And how long, I mean, how long are some of these hikes that you have to go on? I mean, you don't have to. That I mean, it varies. To. I mean, right now um, we're doing about, I'd say about nine hours round trip. Wow. Right now. So yeah, we have to go in and, you know, we, it varies. We'll check on spots that we've dropped at before and see what's been used and replenish Sometimes we're out looking for new areas, and sometimes we're combining the two. Um, you know, it's just getting out there and, and, you know, trying to track down, you know, paths where, where people are going, and it does change a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to, you know, go out there a lot to, to check these different areas over and over again to see if they're still being used or where they're moving to, and you try to pay attention where Border Patrol is, is monitoring and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, in a recent post that you posted on Instagram, you said something about how the Border Patrol was sort of reporting that there were less crossings or something like that, but that actually the numbers, that, that's not true because of... Uh, can you explain that again? Yeah, well, I don't have official right. facts, but, but we have not seen really much of a slowdown in crossing, um, you know, as far as items being consumed, uh, finding, you know, remnants of, of people's items that they've left behind. Right. A lot of times it's, it's the like, used water bottles, used food packages, you know, like shoes blow out on them, backpacks blow out on them, you right. know, things like that that we find. 
And none of that has slowed down even since the big 30-foot wall was put just a few miles to the east of where uh, we do a lot of our drops out there. And it's been, you know, recorded in, you know, once the uh, fences started being built by Border Patrol, they got busted for fudging numbers <laughs> to make it look like there was no, you know, little to no apprehensions once the fence got up because they wanted to show the public that, hey, this actually works and this mm -hmm. is what we're doing because it's just, you know, they're, they're, they're getting rich off, and, you know, politicians are getting rich off this, plus, yeah. you know, their contractors and all those people, so... Oh, yeah, if they I did know. that now with this even more expensive fence, then there would be even more outrage to it. So they have to, you know, not patrol as tight. They have to not apprehend quite as many people. And, you know, they have to, to fudge the numbers that way. Yeah. To make it look worth it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. And um, I'm interviewing you as like the, as this opportunity for my students to hear stuff. So, you know, the students are going to be doing the research. I'm just giving them like a point of contact, a point of entry. So, um, you know, students who are listening, yeah. I'm talking to uh, James Cordero and he does um, hiking in the desert for humanitarian aid uh, to help people who are crossing and um, sort of dealing with the stuff that we've been talking about in class. And um, you know, the, the burden of research is on your shoulders if you choose to look at this um, issue, which is humanitarian aid. And I want to talk quickly about, like, the difference between humanitarian aid. Like, why, why well, let's, let's, let, me, let me ask you this. Like, why do people get so pissed off that, like, there are people like you going out into the desert and doing this? Like, have you heard, do people get mad? Like, is, is there a, is there a... Is there a side that doesn't want this to happen, and why? Yeah, well, I mean, we received backlash. You know, a lot of it's just, you know, like, Internet trolls. Right. Uh, we've, we've had few in person, but most people are scared to actually do or say stuff in person. It's mostly, you know, over the Internet because everybody feels emboldened. Um, you know, they can be real passive as well, and they can, you know, get away with stuff online that they couldn't, you know, in person um, due to, you know, fear or whatever. Mm -hmm. of, you know, they're you know, backlash to, to what they're saying. So they'll, they'll say stuff like that. Um, they claim that, you know, us leaving supplies that, you know, help save people's lives is actually, uh, like, uh, an incentive for them to cross and, and, you know, encouraging people to cross because, you know, they're going to have all these supplies waiting for them. And, you know, our, our goal from the beginning and still every day is, you know, we're trying to minimize the, the harm out right. there because, you know, people do die, you know, every day out in the desert, you know, across the, the U.S.-Mexico border. So any way that we can, you know, try to, to minimize that is, is great. But there's people who, you know, will say the same people, like, why don't they do, you know, want to come here the right way and this and that when they have no idea what they're even talking about. Yeah. And it shows, you know, a, a lack of compassion and, and a lack of humanity. And, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the divided nation that we're in today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's sort of what I'm trying to get at with um, with teaching my students that like these issues, which everyone calls them like political issues, are not actually politics. The only people who are turning them into politics are politicians. It's just people, people like you doing the work in order to help other people and people like me doing the work to help students understand that stuff. Like, I'm not teaching an agenda. You're not pushing an agenda. You're just doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, we, we do teach you what, you know, the, the realities of what goes on along the border, you know, compared to what you'll hear in the news and what you'll hear from the government because there is big discrepancies. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, I, I mean, what made you, I'm, why, why did you get into this? I mean, not only are you, um, a person who goes out and, and does this hiking and supplying in the desert, but you're also like a photographer. So how does that come into play? How do these two things come together for you? Uh, first and foremost, I, I got involved because, you know, through hiking, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to explore a new area like the desert that I never had before because, you know, you always see like the desert portrayed as this very deadly area, which it can be. Mm-hmm. If you're not prepared and you get in over your head, it very well can be. And so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm an outdoor enthusiast, and I love to hike. And mm-hmm. I saw this opportunity few, you know, four years ago, and I just thought, hey, it'd be good to go out there and use you know my my hiking abilities to to do good and learn more. And right away, got hooked. <laughs> um, so it's it's one of the things that get it's that's easy. You know, it it seems like kind of natural, you know, to 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 fall in place to this type of work. And it's you know. I'm used to carrying, you know, a lot of stuff in my backpack. So now, you know, I, you focus on carrying supplies in your pack along with the, the essentials that you need. You know how to plan for stuff because you're carrying extra weight. So, you know, you are doing more than you normally would. It'd be more equivalent to, like, backpacking. Right. Like, you know, pack weight versus right. just, like, day hike packing weight. Um, but a lot of that, you know, it just it comes natural, and that's how I got into that. And, you know, I've been, you know, taking photos for, you know, ever since I, you know, I was a child, my dad, you know, he, he was into photography and, you know, I got into it then and I picked up more skills in high school. And yeah. Afterwards, I've, I've always known myself to, to carry a camera where I go places and, you know, with smartphones, it's easier to, to capture things. And right. I just, you know, I, I take, I take my camera, you know, everywhere I go. And a lot of times when I go to the desert, if I'm leading like a, a specific group, most of the time I will not bring my camera. But if I'm out there like scouting and exploring and everything like that, mm-hmm. then I'll take my camera for sure. And most of the time I keep my camera in my car at all times, with me, at least one of my cameras. Do you, I, I'm, I'm, curi- I'm curious, um, like, do you feel like, I mean, I hike all the time too. I'm a big time explorer. I, I like to find new places and all that stuff. Um, do you feel like, uh, do you feel empowered having the knowledge of the desert that you have now? Like, does it, like, how does it feel? Yeah, I mean, definitely, I, I I mean, you do have an advantage, you know, doing this type of work if you, you know, if, if you have an experience with outdoors and, and going out there so many times. I mean, I've led, I've led, you know, almost 100 groups, mm-hmm. you know, like groups, of, like almost 100 times, but I've been out there equally double as amount, you know, yeah. double the amount, if not more. So it's like, you just, we work in a, in a, in, in not, I wouldn't call it confined, but I guess you would call it confined because we're limited to where we can be as federal public land. So uh. like, you know, Bureau of Land Management. So we can only be like on certain areas where we can do this because other areas along the border, um, and this goes through, you know, a lot of the border, either uh, protected federal land, like uh, wildlife reserves, uh, stuff like that, like you find in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of private land, which you find in California and Texas along the border, mm-hmm. but also um, 
a lot of what the you know in California has along the border is is uh, native you know indigenous land. So right. you know the reservations there we we you know people that we've talked to about trying to get in there say it, it's next to impossible right. on the reservations because there's so many you know sacred cultural sites and everything like that. Right. And um, but there's scattered you know land all around everywhere out there that we can. Even if we can't be right on the, the border area in those, you know, reservations, we can still be outside of them right? and, you know, try to do whatever we can within our reach. Right. As long as you catch, as long as, as long as whoever is crossing can catch your supplies before they move through those lands, then they'll be all right. Or while well, they'll be, I mean, they'll be able to continue their journey, whether they'll be all right or not as a total shot in the dark in this sad world. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, um, I just uh, wanted to get a snapshot of what it's like to be just a regular person who decides to do something that's pretty, pretty kind of normal, which is just hiking, but then carrying supplies and putting them out there. Uh, do you do do you feel like you carry like the badge of like activism? Like we talk about activism at my school all the all the fucking time, and I swear to God, I'm like it makes us sound like superheroes, but we're just fucking regular people, right? <laughs> you know, we're just regular everyday people that care. <laughs> that, yeah. That's really all it is. It's just, I mean, if, if that's a that, and it seems like these days caring about others is a superhuman strength because not many people have that <laughs> and to, to be selfless you know to to give your time your energy your body to to make sure that someone you know gets a chance at at you know a better life or even a chance at life i mean that's we have privileges so we need to use them yeah. and if we don't then you know what, what's coexisting you know in this world if you can't you know look out after people i mean that's i feel that's a maybe that's all part of why we're here is to look at you know look after each other yeah for sure well thanks for talking to me of course <laughs> absolutely gonna... thanks for for doing this